most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. The first reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 12. In that day you will say, I will praise you, Lord. Although you are angry with me, your anger has turned away, and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself, is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day you will say, Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. And proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. The Word of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's a theme for today's sermon. Praise the Lord. Now, as I, as I was thinking about this sermon and working through God's Word this past week, coming up with this theme, I had two thoughts cross my mind. The first, is this too simple of a theme? You know, I'll admit, often when I think about a sermon theme, I think of something that's textual, maybe a little original, um, relevant, memorable. Praise the Lord, is that a little too normal, too easy, and too simple? I mean, it's one of these common Christian phrases, isn't it? Praise the Lord. The second thought I had, and maybe even more important, can I say the word praise during this church season of Lent? Over the last couple of weeks, if you've noticed in our, our worship folder during the season of Lent, after the confession of sins and the Kyrie, and, and today we have a little bit of a different service being the fifth Sunday of the month, but after these, there's always been this note during the season of Lent that says this, the liturgy's main song of praise, as well as the alleluias, are omitted during the season of Lent. The church mutes its joy to remember the seriousness of the struggle with sin and Satan. On such a, a somber time of the church here, it might seem a bit strange that I would set the word praise in front of you. you know, maybe it, it seems like Lent and praise just don't go together very well. Do you, do you feel that way? And yet, I'm setting before you this morning this theme of praise the Lord. A theme that reflects the Word of God that is found in Isaiah chapter 12, a, a chapter of God's Word that is all about singing praise to our Lord. And, and yeah, it's a simple theme. Praise the Lord, and maybe it gets, maybe it, it's, it doesn't quite fit in with Lent. And 
And because of that, maybe we lose track of this idea as we find ourselves focusing maybe on what you've strived to give up for Lent or as you focus in on yourself and your sin or you lose sight of it as you focus on the suffering and death of Jesus. And we lose sight of the praise. And so maybe today is, is the best day that we could be talking about praise. Right here in the middle of Lent, to talk about praising the Lord. And in fact, that's what Isaiah encourages you and me to do today, to praise the Lord, and he tells us why and how. Isaiah chapter 12 is the climax, the culmination of a number of chapters that began with Isaiah proclaiming to the people of Israel God's anger over them because of their wickedness and the fact that they had turned away from him. And in the chapters leading up to chapter 12, there's a phrase that is repeated about four or five times, this phrase. Yet for all this, his anger is not turned away. The Lord's hand is still upraised. God made it pretty clear that he was angry with his people. And that's a pretty frightening phrase, isn't it? To be under the burden of God's anger is terrifying. Just imagine and picture being underneath the anger of someone that you have hurt or harmed or ruined a relationship with. You understand that there is a burden of guilt. There is an uneasiness, an uncertainty, and and there are often consequences that are hard to accept. But one thing that Scripture is very clear about is that God is angry when you sin, when you disobey Him. God says in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 18, the soul who sins is the one who will die. God says that when we sin, we will die, we'll be separated from him. And in fact, it's the very same thing that God said to the very first person he created, Adam, in the Garden of Eden, when he said to him, Adam, that tree and that fruit that I'm telling you not to eat from, if you eat of it, if you disobey me, in other words, you will surely die die, you'll be separated from me. God hates sin. God hates sin because it is less than the perfect holiness that he is. And so God hates your jealousy and your anger and your resentment. He hates your self-righteousness and your self-centeredness. He hates your lust your greed, your lack of contentment. He hates your lying, your gossiping, the way that you treat people that is anything less than the way you would want to be treated. God hates your thoughts and words and actions that are less than perfect. And God is rightfully angry with you when you sin. And in righteous justice, God ought to punish you and me for our sins. That's something that, that is hard for us to really grasp. It's not something we like to think about. It's not something we want to embrace and own. But it's the reality. It's the reality of your relationship with God and, and the life you live in this world. But we have to talk about this. We have to understand what our sin does in our relationship with God 
Because then we can talk about what God has done to fix it. And let me tell you, when we talk about just how much we need God and just how great He was and what He did for us, that is something that is worthy of praise. And so we see what God has done for us, and Isaiah describes it in this way. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away, and you have comforted me. God was angry. But notice how Isaiah talks about it here. He talks about it as in the past. God was angry. God, you were angry. But now God has turned that anger away from you. God has turned His anger over your sins away from you and turned and put it on His Son, your Savior, Jesus. And Isaiah talks about it in this way, this salvation, this rescue that we have. He says, surely God is my salvation. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. God himself and God alone is the one who has rescued you from sin and death and given you life, taken his anger away from you. For as much as you and I are guilty and the only ones who have ruined the relationship with God, God is even more in Him alone the one who rescues you and gives you life and forgiveness. Often we think that there are ways that we can appease God's anger. If we do good things for God, if we give Him some nice gifts, generous offerings, we, we do the right things, go to church, pray a little bit, that kind of stuff. Maybe if we try really hard, uh, we can appease God's anger. And this is the mindset we often have. But it's like the husband who hurts and, and, his, and harms his wife, and, and she's angry with him. And the husband in his mind thinks, well, I can just appease my wife's anger by buying her a bunch of nice gifts, getting her some, some flowers and maybe a nice diamond necklace and taking her out for dinner and helping out with things around the house, cleaning the kitchen. And, and he thinks that's going to make her happy. But the reality is what? The wife doesn't want any of those things. She just wants his heart. God just wants your We have a sinful nature, a sinful flesh that is hostile to God that we cannot overcome on our own. But God gives you a new heart and a new spirit. It is God, because of his amazing, perfect, unconditional love, that he authored this plan to send his son Jesus to be your Savior. And it is God who stepped down from heaven to take on human flesh and to be born of a woman and live on this earth to give up His life for you. And it is God who paid the price for all of your sins and the punishment that you deserve with His innocent, precious blood. And it is God who freely gives to you this full gift of salvation, of forgiveness and life with Him. And it is God who opens up your eyes through the Gospel with His Spirit to see this salvation and to trust in Him as your Lord and Savior. And it is God who changes your heart and life to set aside the sinful nature, to see how God's anger has turned and that you have life in God. It is God who is your salvation. That is worthy of praise. 
We're on this Lenten journey that takes us often into this pit of sin and despair, into a lonely hill where we see Jesus on the cross. But it shows us just how deeply God loves you. And just how much He was willing to do everything to rescue you from sin and death and to give you a real life with Him. That is the confidence of faith. That is the comfort of God's love, the joy of forgiveness, the strength to stand, the defense that we need against Satan and his temptations that God fills us with as we come to Him with humble faith and repentance through His Spirit. That is why we praise the Lord. Back in 2000 and, or 2016, the Chicago Cubs baseball team won the World Series, baseball's championship. Now, for, if, for those of you who are baseball fans and even some Cubs fans here, and, and there's forgiveness for that, you know that this was a big deal because before the Cubs won that championship in 2016, it was 108 years since their last championship. 108 seasons of disappointment for those fans. 108 years in which generations literally were born and raised and died and never saw their favorite team win a championship. And so you can just imagine that when the Cubs won that last game, the thousands of fans within the stadium and even outside of the stadium just erupted with joyful celebration. Years of pent-up frustration now released in the joy of victory. And they threw their hands up in the air, waving them like they just don't care. And they were shouting, and they were hugging and high-fiving strangers. There were tears of joy. They were singing the praises of their team. And it was such a loud celebration that people living over a mile away heard this celebration like it was right outside their door. Victory was theirs. And that redemption results in praise. Earlier in the Gospel, we heard a somewhat familiar account of a father's unconditional love for his two children. The one who was lost and thought to be dead and was found, and, and the other who was very resentful of his father's love towards the younger. And that younger son who went and wasted away everything his dad had given him and thought there was no way his dad would welcome him back, came back, was found, and welcomed back with loving arms and forgiveness. And you know what they did when he came back? They celebrated. They cooked up the fattened calf and brought out the good robe and everything else, and they celebrated. They praised God. Redemption results in praise. You are forgiven. The Lord God is your salvation. You have fallen. You have failed. You have sinned. You have been lost. You have wandered, wandered but that is all in the past. God's anger is turned from you because of Jesus Christ who suffered and died and rose again to give you victory over sin and death. And that victory is yours. 108 years of failure all changed in an instant for Cubs fans. Uh, an entire inheritance squandered away by a son it was all changed by a loving embrace. A lifetime of sin and failure and struggle against temptation and fear of God and His wrath changed in a moment at the cross. God is your salvation. 
And that is worthy of praise. Isaiah says for us, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim His name, sing to the Lord, shout aloud and sing for joy. Redemption results in praise. Isaiah describes for us a time when believers together would sing the praises, the glorious works in the name of our Lord God. My friends, we are in that day. We are in the day of God's amazing grace. We are in the day of Christ's victory. Now, could you only imagine if we celebrated as the people of God, like those Cubs fans did when they won the World Series, if we raised up our hands and praised the Lord and proclaimed His name throughout the land that people for miles away could hear this good news of Jesus? You can. And you do. You do as we gather here like we do this morning, coming before the Lord in humble repentance and returning thanks and praise for all that He has done in our songs and in our words. And I don't know if you know this, but if you walk along this sidewalk when a service is going on like right now, you can hear it. You do and celebrate this way when you give generously of the things God has blessed you with that help support the proclamation of the name of Christ and all that He has done for us in the miles surrounding us in this city and in our world. You do celebrate when you tell the glorious deeds of Jesus to your children and to your friends and your family. You celebrate when you do something as simple as, as posting a gospel message on your social media, when you, you lead and direct an encouraging conversation with a friend toward the Lord, when you show the love of Christ and selfless acts to others, you show the face of God. There's nothing to be ashamed about when it comes to what God has done for us. There's nothing that has to, to keep us mute in our praise to the Lord. There is no reason that we need to hide or keep secret all the wonderful things that Christ has done for you. The Lord is your salvation. Let the world know the mighty deeds of our Savior Jesus. Let the world see the joy that you have and the fact that you are made new. You have a new life in Christ Jesus. You are forgiven and God's anger is no longer over you. You are His dearly loved child. You were once lost and now found. You were dead in spirit and now alive in Christ. Praise the Lord. It's such a simple theme, isn't it? Praise the Lord. But it's one that we need to be reminded of day in and day out. We have something to praise the Lord for. And yes, during the season of Lent, we do step back a little bit from that because we look at just how serious our sin is and how serious the work of our Savior was. But don't let the praise be hidden. Christ went to the cross to rescue you from sin. The Lord God is your salvation in the salvation of all the world. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you.